very simply have your way today. May we walk away from this place. God, I don't know if it's the right terminology, but um, better worshippers, freer worshippers, people that can really step into your presence, posture ourselves there and just totally worship you. So we do love you. We love your son. We love all that you've done for us. We thank you for our salvation that's assured. And we thank you for that wonderful sacrifice, Lord, that death and that resurrection of your son, Jesus, our saviour. So Lord God, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. And everybody said, Amen. So I guess it's an unusual thing to think about because so often when we think about worship, we think about our hearts. That's a fair call, I think, for most of us. Um, And we think about our hearts, which... I won't, no, don't go down that rabbit hole right now, go later. Um, But when we worship with our cup and our cup overflows, it can affect our thinking, yeah? It changes the way that we think. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people, is part of our worship, it's to praise him. So if we're feeling down, it's a really good thing to start to praise. And as we do that, as our hearts are full, it overflows and it thicks our affects our thinking but also when we worship and our minds are engaged in worship uh, it actually seeps down into our hearts and creates a greater freedom yeah creates a greater freedom for us to worship in it it's not heart first mind second nor is it mind first heart second it's that age-old question what came first the chicken or the egg yeah which to this day, we have no answer, really. What came first? Really, tell me how it worked. Yeah, of course, the chicken just there like that. Could have been the egg. God gave the egg there. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Not black and white there, Stephen. There's no answer for that one just yet. You can argue about it till you're black and blue. Chicken or the egg. So how do we engage? How do you and I actually engage our minds into worship when worship is so emotional? You know, where it, it picks you up and takes you away and leaves you in a place where you want to sit with the Lord. How, how do we do that? Because, you know, the downfall of the Christian church <laughs> is that people are trapped in their thinking. People are trapped in their minds. I, I have no care, I'm being careful with words, of how other faiths worship because they're often they're very fact-driven, theologically driven, if you like. I think there's a part of that that we need to understand, but so much of the Christian church is so caught up in theology that they've forgotten how to connect their heart and they can't posture themselves into a position where they sit in the presence of God and allow him to speak. And you've got people and churches everywhere that argue theology. What a load of crud. If I was God the Father, I'd probably step out of heaven, slap them both and say, wake up to yourselves. Hello, I'm here. Yeah, seriously. Like, that's what I would do. Not maybe a slap. You can't now. Someone's just been charged for hitting their children with a spoon I read in the new... I grew up, it was a big spoon. (laughs) But that's another story. It doesn't matter. Just stay on track, Andrew. So how do we engage our mind in worship? Not just on a Sunday morning. Corporate worship is special. Yeah, I, I love it. And I love my worship at home and I love it with my family but there's something when you come together for me 
when you've got other believers, other people that have been worshipping in their own time, you come together in the house, there's something special there. So how do we engage our minds, not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday through to a Saturday? How do we do that? How do we engage our mind in a lifestyle of worship, if you will? Now, David points out two ways in a scripture that we're going to look at, because we're going to look at Psalm 19. And David points out two ways to meditate on the Lord. But before we read the psalm, I want to jump to the very last verse of Psalm 19, verse 14, because I want to give it some context. Because David finishes the psalm with these words, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He, he, he sets the scene during the psalm, but finishes it at the end by saying, hey, all the words from my mouth, this meditation of my heart, yeah, this, this I know is pleasing in your sight, Lord God. So how do we meditate? How do we meditate on the Lord? How do we prepare our minds for worship? So here's the two things that David talks about in the psalm. And the first one is through the heavens and the earth. Yeah? We engage our minds in worship through the heavens and the earth. And the second one is through God's word. So that's what I want to unpack, if I can, in the next 30 minutes. So Psalm 19, for the director of music, a psalm of David, it's probably good, because being a psalm that's a song, psalms are more like songs, it's probably good that he's a director of music. You don't want me writing a psalm or a song. (laughs) They won't even give me a microphone to sing in this place. But anyway, that's another story. Just let my herd out here be transparent and honest. Ross, if you're not watching, you'll watch it. Your wife will tell you, I want a mic. Anyway, (laughs) Psalm 19, verse 1 to 14. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And right here, before we jump to verse 7, this is where David shifts... From the heavens, yeah, because the heavens and the earth is one way that we engage our mind, but the other way is through the word of God. And now he's shifting to God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much more pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. David gives a small warning here. (laughs) By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my uh, forbidden or hidden fault, sorry. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, before we jump in, there's something that you and I, everybody here, those that are listening at home, we have to agree on one thing. yeah. Because if one of the ways that we engage our mind is heavens and earth, and the other one is God's word, then we have to get to this place. <laughs> God is the final authority. Underline authority. 
If you prefer it like this, God is the final, underline final authority. But he is the final authority. He is sovereign over all things, yeah? In the heavens and on the earth. Actually, we, we shouldn't even question his authority. We shouldn't even question his word. For me, I, I believe this. I don't understand all this, yeah? I believe him. I don't know all of him, yeah? No matter how big of a box I make for God, he's still bigger, yeah? No matter how much I move my tent pegs, you know, the prayer of Jabez, the more white space there is to consume with all of who he is, yeah? There are so many questions that we will never be able to have answered, but I believe this is the word of God, and it's perfect like he is perfect. Because we live in a day and age, let's face it, spiritually, morally, that... There's confusion everywhere. Some people go, you've got to live like this. And others go, no, no, not like that. You've got to live like this. And then somebody else goes, actually, no, not like that, not like that. You choose how you want to live, however you want to live. Yeah? That's the world that you and I, we live in today, true? What we need, though, is not speculation, but a sure word of the authoritative word of God. Yeah? We need authoritative re revelation. We need a word that's so sure. And if we receive that from him, whether it's here or here, it's the sovereign word of God. And if the sovereign God has spoken, it doesn't matter who shouts out what on either side of how we live our lives, but ultimately the only word that matters is his, because he's sovereign. He is the final underlying authority, yeah? So we've got to agree on that. Understanding the Father's the final authority lets us learn how to engage our minds in worship. This is important. You've got to understand this is important. Our minds are important. That's why it actually says in Matthew 22, 36 and 37, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And that was the full stop. And with all your mind with all our minds. Our minds are the greatest enemies to our worship. The minds are the greatest thing that take us this way and that way. It's not our hearts. But if our hearts are right, our minds are right, and if our minds are right, our hearts are even better. You've got to love that chicken or the egg. David actually teaches the first way to meditate on the Lord is through his creation. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The truth of God, in other words, is revealed in his creation. Absolutely revealed in his creation. I'm not sure how many of you do this, but you ever stop just to look at the sky? Yeah. Like if it's a sunny day and you've got a few clouds, who's ever been driving along and you go, man, that looks like a rabbit? Hey, kids, do you see a rabbit? That's not a rabbit. It looks more like a koala. That, mate, that, listen, Samuel, that's not a koala, that's a rabbit. You know, you ever done that? Well, you, seriously, where you're driving? Or you look at the stars, you know, and the different you know, constellations and, and compilation of stars. I don't know what, what they're really called where you've got the three that are next to each other, but I'm telling you, hear me, if we get a starry night, I can show you an Italian yeah, coffee percolator in the stars. Seriously, I can. I can show you the bottom. I can show you the handle. I can show you the tip on the top. Even the spout. I can make up from the stars a stovetop percolator. And that's awesome. 
I love that. That's so good. All of you saying, really? I'm telling you, coffee is from heaven. You know, we can stare at some of, and we've had some rippers here in Ballarat over the years, some of the best sunsets. You know, that orangey pink out towards the west, you know, and it just covers the whole sky. It's just beautiful stuff. And the truth for me is that God paints that stuff for us. Like he paints that for us. You know, and if you think about if you think about the night skies and the stars in the skies, they reckon the stars that we look at here, you can jump to the other side of the world and they're seeing the same stars. That's a pretty big canvas that I can see them here and they can see the same stars from over there and vice versa. And that's awesome. I don't know how that works. It makes no sense to me. Like no, no sense whatsoever. But it is brilliant the way that God works. It's such... A beautiful picture, I think, of what God is trying to tell us is that the sky is brilliant, but it's the work of his hands. It's his, it's his handiwork, and it's handiwork that reaches from one side of the earth all the way to the other side of the earth. Amen? And all we have to do is just look and engage our minds in worship at the heavens and his handiwork. I've often had conversations with my friend um, Ross for those that, that know him here at church and he loves to go out and bird watch and you know the, some things I don't quite understand you know <laughs> takes photos of them but so often he he takes a photo of a particular flower and and he'll talk about that the beauty of that flower for hours now I, I couldn't tell him to his face I, I don't really care I'll run over it with a lawnmower and I'll step on it and crush it but I so appreciate the reality of how he's discovered God in creation, in that particular creation. Because all of us are different. Yeah? Some of you might look to the sky and think, wow, there's God. And other of you are thinking, well, it's just the sky. They're just clouds. You know? Others will go, what a beautiful flower. What, that one? It's not there anymore. <laughs> you know, like, we're all different. Come on, we're all different. All of us see God differently, but all of us can see God in creation somehow. Yeah, that's the point of all of that. You know, it's not hard to believe with the skies because of, I guess, their, their massiveness, their vastness, just the size of it, you know. I'm sure David, when he wrote Psalm 19 and was talking about the skies, I'm sure that he probably wrote that in the middle of shepherding sheep, out in the middle of a field, out in the middle of nowhere on a starry night. And he just looks up into the heavens and has this epiphany moment and just says, wow. That is the handiwork of God. Man, look at, he has painted that just for me right here, right now where I'm at. It's the glory of God on display. But our minds have to understand that. Our minds have to grab hold of that. Because it's our minds that will fight against that. How, how do you and I engage our minds in worship? We look to the skies and we enjoy the work of God's hands. Verse 2 says, Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. But verse 3 and 4 says, They have no speech. Well, hold on. You just told me that night, day after day they pour forth speech. And then in the next verse, it says, they have no speech. Ooh, you speak with forked tongue. <laughs> like, how do we work that one out? 
They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. If you were to read those verses together, it actually looks like they're contrary. It makes no sense together. Yet they speak continually, but they never use words. There's no sound is heard from them, yet they declare eternity into eternity. I love Romans. I love Romans 1. I love Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, this stuff around us, that's his tapestry. It's his canvas. It's his creation. Our minds have to grab hold of that and accept that because when our minds start to grab hold of the, I guess, the spectacular, brilliant, grandiose God that we believe in, yeah, it starts to put to death the voices of doubt. And when that overflows to our hearts, when we step into worship, we don't have voices that say, what are the people around you thinking? What? People? I'm worshipping God. You know? It's going to rain. What? Hey, I'm worshipping God. Those voices no longer have an effect because our minds are engaged with the reality of God, you know, and how big he is. I love what Spurgeon had to say about uh, about that verse in, in the psalm. It says, The heavens above, or he said, The heavens above will never cease to declare and proclaim his majesty and glory. They are forever preaching. For like the unbroken, their message is delivered from day to day and from night to night. And then he goes on and says, Day bids us labour, night reminds us to prepare for the last home. Day bids us work for God and night invites us to rest in him. Day bids us to look for endless day, night warns us to escape from everlasting light. David goes on to say that verse 4 goes on into verse 5. God has pitched a tent for the sun. Then verse 5 says, It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. This is actually a, a really brilliant description because what we have is a, it's a description of a champion running its course. Yeah, and David's using a little bit of poetry here is what he's doing. And what he's trying to say is that the heavens, the heavens, the sky is like a tent for the sun. Yeah? The heavens, the sky is like a tent for the sun. It's actually really quite interesting. So the sun comes out of its tent right, every day. It runs its course and then goes back to its tent at night. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to portray to us through this poetry like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion running his course who's our bridegroom jesus jesus is our bridegroom we the church are his bride and in fact the heavens declare that jesus is our champion yeah we you can see i love the way that you can see the new testament in the old you know you notice the last part of verse six It says, nothing is deprived of its warmth. This is another picture that God, our Father, covers all the earth. All the earth. Let's face it, his blood is enough. He died once for all. The sun covers the whole sky and the sun's strength is felt everywhere. In other words, there's nothing in the heaven and on earth that God doesn't touch. 
But our minds, our minds, our minds have to grab hold of that. Our minds have to accept that. Our minds need to be able to say, you know what? There is a God. Not just our heart, you know, where we know in our knower, but our minds. Where we can say, you know what? It's obvious. Since the creation of the world, the sky and the moon and the stars and the plants and the flat, it's obvious that there's a God. Overflow to our hearts. Yes, there is a God. Are we going to worship? All right. Because there's nothing fighting eternally within, internally within us. So many believers have got this internal fight. I, I want to worship. I want to sing. I, I, I want to, but I'll just do it quietly. I'll just do my thing. No! If, if the skies and the heavens are forever speaking, yet there's no voices, that's because of their majesty. Yes, you and I are righteous, we're set apart and we're sanctified, but by my body just standing here, it's not speaking day and night, night and day of God's glory, of his reality. Not even if I look like Schwarzenegger or Stallone in their heyday, would my body say that. Some of you may have been jealous and lustful maybe if I look like that. Fortunately, I don't, yeah? So that's probably a good thing for all of you looking at me now. But the only way for us to declare the goodness and greatness of God is with our voices. We're not like the night sky or sunlit sky. We're not like the daffodil. We just go, oh my good, that just came out of the ground. Are you serious? Let's face it, I've said before, not all babies are beautiful. Some come out and you go, oh my God, are you serious? No, we need voices. Voices, that's how we do it. Is anyone hearing me? Man, voices, it's our voices. Yet the other voice in here stops the one coming out of here. I don't know how many corporate prayer meetings... I know I'm only 52. I don't know how many corporate prayer meetings I've gone to. No one, I know some people are uncomfortable to pray out loud. I don't know. I, I, I don't pray right. There's no right way to pray. I, I don't pray long. Oh, praise God for that. Like, you know, you ever had anyone say grace? By the time you get to your food, it's cold. And you, and you feel bad. You mind, Can you microwave the chicken? I don't want to die of salmonella. You know, like, seriously. Like, it's our voices. They, they, we should have no fear to declare who God is. When our mind understands who he is and what he has done. Yeah. It should just naturally come out of us, whether we're in a room like this to sing, whether we're in a prayer meeting to say a prayer. It should flow out from us. I believe it should flow out from us. You know, if we're engaged, if we want to engage our minds in worship, then we need to look at the handiwork of his creation. Because the truth of God is revealed in his creation. But we also need to look at the truth of his word because God is revealed in his word. And in fact, it's really exciting when you start reading his word. You know, so many of us have got issues and hang-ups because we don't read the word enough. You can put it on audio Bible, that's okay. I'm just saying we don't get into this thing enough. You know, we just don't. We need to. Man, I, I just think you can't be a chef unless you open up the pantry. Can't be a chef unless you get into the fridge and freezer and get all your, your stuff out. It's really hard to be a it's hard to be a Christian 
if you're not in this thing. You know, you may have a spectacular prayer life and amen, that, that's awesome, this will help that. But if you don't have this and you don't have a prayer life, maybe get into this, it'll give you one. It's also in God's word. How do we engage our minds in worship? We have to study God's word. And anyone ever, let's just put it out there. Let's see who, who jumps in. B-I-B-L-E. No one? Come on, man, I'm, not, I'm only 52. B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Oh, my goodness. Was someone else humming that somewhere? Come on, we know it, yeah? Like we can almost start dancing. B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. What was the next line? I stand in line on the word of God. B-I-B-L-E, and then you go again. B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand in line on the word of God. B-I-B-L-E, what's that? What is it? B-I-B-L-E? Bible. Bible. We taught it to our kids for years. And I think some of us have forgotten God's word, David shifts from revelation in the heavens to revelation in his word. We need to fill our minds with, yes, with the awe and splendor of God and his creation above, but also with the written word within, yeah? What's the word say? It says, don't worry about when, you, when stuff comes up, I'll give you the words to speak. Where do you think the words come from? Where do you think they come from? Where do you think the encouragement comes from? The word, it's the word. And, and David gives us these seven descriptions of God's word. Ten minutes, not going to finish, but we'll go. Let's look at the verses. First one, um, well, number seven anyway, the law of the Lord is perfect. Was that the first one? That's the first one. First one, got my numbers wrong. Just bear with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise... Uh, why is the simple? So I said already, God's word's in, infallible. For me, it's inherent. There are so many today in the Christian world that, are, that would rather, rather fit their lifestyle into the word of God than rather take the word of God and bring it into their lifestyle. Not all of us, let me say this, the word of God is perfect. There is one man that is perfect. His name is Jesus. You and I are not perfect. Yeah, we may be righteous living a righteous life as much as we are able in these fallen and broken bodies Yeah, yes we have the spirit of God within us but at this point none of us have walked on water and at this point some of us have prayed for people and seen them heal and then we prayed for people and not seen them heal so you and I are not perfect I'm not saying that there are people that are living a wrong life that's that is up to the Holy Spirit to speak to a person about what they're doing and how they're doing it and what they're living. It's not for me to judge. Holy Spirit speaks to me about enough of my own stuff yeah, that I don't have to worry about anybody else's. All I know is that whatever he speaks to me about, I need to make peace with him about. Yeah? This is not broken. This is infallible. It's inherent. It is the word of God. When it speaks to you, Deal with it. If it's not speaking to you, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah? Let's not go there. So let's keep going and move through that. I just have to get that out there. Because sometimes we can think that we know better than others. But you know what? Sometimes God has spoken to us about a thing, but he's not spoken to you because it's not your time for that yet. It's a journey. 
Our whole faith is a journey. From the minute that we've said yes to the minute we heard about God, from the minute that we were born to the moment that we pass away, just because God has convicted me of something doesn't mean that conviction exists for you too. All right? It might one day, but if it's premature, you'll just get angry and walk away and say, you know what, I can't do this, it's just about laws. <laughs> That's not how Christianity works. God's a loving father. So anyway, huh, with all that's going on in the world, we don't need more revelation from the world. We need more revelation from the book. We need more re revelation from the Holy Spirit. And we need revelation from God's word because God's word brings healing. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes my soul. Refreshes. So if you're reading this and being condemned, what other voice are you listening to? you're reading this and you are condemned what other voice are you listening to because it's really clear the law of the lord is perfect it refreshes because it's perfect so it refreshes your soul i love that it's a refreshing it's it's actually refreshing to know i've said yes to jesus and even though i'm a son of god i'm seated in heavenly places with him and i can still make mistakes it's actually refreshing to know that my assurance that the assurance for me of my salvation is secure I think I can give that back, but outside of my stupidity, it's assured, yeah? I know that. When I read the Word, it tells me that because the Word is divinely perfect. It is perfect. And verse 7 continues. It says, The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise and simple. He is speaking about the Word of God, but he's trying to engage with our minds because this isn't emotional stuff. This is facts to get our minds on board. So as that overflows and seeps to our heart, we have no doubt. And now we're totally abandoned in our worship. Open, honest, vulnerable. We're not worried. Shame's not knocking at the door because we know God is good because of the inherency of his word. You know, I'd love to be able to unpack all of these, but certainly won't be today. You know, if... If any of these starts to, to, to knock at your heart or captures your heart or, or it just pops out, you know, maybe it's Holy Spirit trying to get our attention. Maybe it's because he knows that one of us needs one of these things today. Maybe we, we've left behind one of these things. Maybe we're not reading as much as we should. And now God's saying, hello. Hey, remember? Man, you know, what would we do without a Melways or GPS? So seriously, I know one, I do know a person that can't read a map, has no GPS, but gets to every address he's ever been given. I still to this day don't know how that works. Like There's something supernatural happening there. But generally, we can't get from point A to B unless we have direction. Friends, we need direction. Yeah? Even when we are strong Christians who have seen him move, where he speaks to us or uses us, we still need direction. You may read this, you may read a passage that you've read a thousand times and then Holy Spirit decides to drop something into your heart. This is not broken. <laughs> this is not broken. You know, the void that can be in our lives can't be filled by anything that's out there. It can only and will only ever be healed by his healing restorative power. And if this the scripture tells me refreshes my soul. That means the healing restorative power lays in this book somehow. I don't need to question it. I just need to believe it because God's sovereign. Yeah? 
So if I'm down, let me read. You know, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. You know, we can trust in God's word. We can study his word. And then he says that he'll give us wisdom. That's not for my heart. That's for my mind. So my mind can engage in worship. That's why James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We don't need man's wisdom. We need wisdom from the Lord. Amen? It, I don't think we've got any doctors in the house, do we? No? Good, because I was going to pick on you. No? Any lawyers? No? No? Any millionaires? Now I'm just fishing. It, it, it doesn't matter how smart any of us are. It, hear me, it doesn't matter what we've studied at school, it doesn't matter if we've passed with high distinctions or credits, it matters not how smart you and I may be. God's word will give you wisdom when you study it, no matter how smart you are. Yeah? It's not just for those that aren't as intellectual. This is for all of us, regardless Study it so you can fill your mind with the wisdom of God and then allow that wisdom to overflow into our hearts. You know, verse 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Let's be honest. Okay, on the count of three, put up your hand if you could use a bit more joy. One, two, three. All of us, just about. And for the one or two that were slow, I'm just going to put down that you were slow. Because I reckon with weather like this in Ballarat, all of us have woken up at one point or another and thought, geez, you know, I'm not very happy today. <laughs> you know, I could use a bit more joy. I'm not happy about doing the breakfast again for the kids. Are you serious, Samuel? You didn't wash your plate or your dishes? Nathan, look at all the stuff in your room. I'm not very joyous right now. I'm going to kill someone. No, I know no parents ever had that thought. That your children, they're just the apple of your eye. Even when they go to the toilet, it's perfumey. No, that's not like that with my. Ch- it's not like that with my children. I'm sorry, it's not. Sometimes we need more joy. You know, and only God's word can give us that joy because it's actually never wrong. It's always right. It says the precepts of the Lord are right. That that word right, the translation of that word, it literally means opposed to crookedness in mind and in conduct. That's what it literally means. God's word is opposed to crookedness in our mind and in our conduct. So actually, when we know that his word is right, then we naturally lean. We naturally lean to the things that are righteous and holy. Naturally lean to the things that are opposed to wickedness. Opposed to sin, if you like that word. Opposed to the stuff that separates us from God. Yeah? Opposed to it, because that's the snare of the world. That's the snare that the world has to offer. That's what the enemy tries to entice us with. He tries to fill our minds with the things that aren't right. Knowing that God's word is opposed to those things. Think of it this way. When I try to control my wife... wife, (laughs) When I try... Don't even get it. When I try to control my wife, I fail... When I try to control my life, I fail just as badly. That's where I was trying to go when I try to control my life. Because when I try to control my life, then I have all these questions. 
and I don't have answers for them. And I've got to guess at stuff all the time when I try to control my life. But when I surrender to God's word, when we actually surrender our hearts, our life and our minds to him, we don't have to guess if he's got it wrong or right because he's always right. He's the final authority. He's the sovereign Lord. You know it's right. That's settled. You no longer have to guess when you lean into God. And here's the best part. Because the word's right, you and I, we, we get joy. We get that for free. And God gets glorified. I figure that's a win-win. Why don't we stand because of the time? You know, verse 8 says, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The best way to think about it is, I, up, I fixed it recently. I feel really proud of myself. But who's ever had a headlight that's just the, the low beam stopped working? Yeah, and so you drive around with your, headlight, with your high beam on? Anyone ever done that? No? Oh, okay, just me, right? Anyway, half the road's not, it's pretty dark. And in fact, what I do love to do from Mount Clear across to Mount Helen where you're at the back of the mines and stuff, there's no street lights. You can ask Nathan and Samuel, you turn off your lights just for a minute and if it's the right sky, it is pitch black. Oh my goodness, is it pitch black? And then when you finally turn your lights on, it's like, ah, there's a deer. No, there's not. When you finally turn your lights on, all of a sudden the darkness just seems to be pushed aside, you know? The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to your eyes. When we read this book, man, all darkness gets pushed aside. This is how powerful the word of God is. It just doesn't, it just doesn't kill darkness. It's not like that. Bring the, it actually grabs darkness by, by, by the throat like you were going to fight someone by the scruff of the neck. Please don't hurt me, Nathan. So you, you like that, and then all it does is it just pushes, and the darkness goes that way and goes that way because that's the power in the Word of God. It brings light to the eyes. That's why the boys are happy when Mike turn the headlights back on. Dad, Dad, oh, that's better. Oh, there was a bit of fun there just for a second, you know. It's radiant. David is saying that the commands of the Lord are radiant. Radiant. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. He's trying to get us to engage in worship with our minds so that we're totally free and abandoned when the time comes. So when we have to intercede like we did this morning for our brothers and sisters that are unwell, there's not stuff inside of us that are saying, are we singing again? Are we, are we singing again? Really? Don't make me take you out the back. Are we singing again? Let's keep singing. Let's keep interceding. Let's keep praying. Just because I prayed and they weren't healed, don't let the, the thoughts of your mind dictate what your heart does. That's why he wants us to engage with our minds so that when we're living in that reality, we step in and we pray anyway. We're going to pray. Like if we're thinking about Nick Corden, Nick, if you're at home, he's back. We've prayed for that for years and it's not healed. But you know what? I'm stepping into that space again. I won't allow those thoughts to seep in. I'm actually, you know what? He's real. His truth is a final authority. It's a sovereign word. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep worshipping. And those thoughts, they just pushed aside. Off you go. The word of the Lord is a lamp for my feet, a lamp to my path. The fear of the Lord is pure hala. We don't have time. Let's leave it there. At the end of the day, the word of God is pure. It's inherent. It's holy. 
Yeah? You don't need to teach it to other people. Holy Spirit will teach it to you and to me. We just need to allow it. Yeah? How do we cleanse our minds? How do we work our minds? By the reading of the word, yeah? Don't we? For the Christians that are here, yes. When we read our when we read our mind when we read our minds, when we I'm not into that. I can't do that before $100. No, sorry. No, I can't do that. I'm joking. I'm sorry. I know I'd go too far. I know. I know. I know. A little bit of you know, laughter is good medicine for the soul when people are unwell. Yeah. So I know. I know that when it comes to this word, the word is real. I know that as I engage my mind, it gets rid of all those negative thoughts. Darkness is pushed aside. My mind then overflows in worship to my heart. And when I come to worship, man, I can step into a space for me. I can step into a space for you. You can step into a space for me. You can step into a space for Ali. We can step into a space for each other because we know that God is real. Yeah? And we're engaging our whole self, our heart, our mind, and our soul, which captures everything. Yeah? So let's be a people that do that. Let's be a people, people that engage our minds and allow our hearts to run free so that when those are with us and we open our mouths to speak or we lay hands to pray or we start to sing a little bit like the skies people go wow that's the majesty of God right there that's the glory of God right there that's the power and reality of God right there so father we just thank you we thank you for the goodness of your word we thank you for the inherency of your word we thank you that you are the final authority we thank you Lord God that Truly, 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 you are sovereign. And we thank you that your word, your word shines a light. We thank you that your word brings joy. Father, we thank you that your word refreshes us. Father, help us to be a people that engages in worship with our minds. Lord, that we may be free in our worship with our hearts. That when people see us, they see our whole soul, our whole body, our whole self lost in worship with you. You truly are a good God. We give you all the glory this day. We give you all the honour. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.